Good morning, everybody. So we're finishing this very short book. It's only four chapters. We're on the last chapter, chapter four. You might like to open your Bibles on Ruth chapter four or your phones or other devices. And if we can have the PowerPoint back uh, up, please, uh, in, in slideshow and the first slide there. So this book of Ruth uh, is about the plight of two uh, widows. There is Naomi, who's an Israelite, and there is Ruth, who is a Moabite. Traditionally, Israelites and Moabites were, were enemies. And the Moabites had a reputation for being immoral, worshipping idols, and that sort of thing. But uh, Ruth had married uh, Naomi's son, so we're talking here about uh, a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, but tragically, both their husbands had died. And uh, they're in the town of Jerusalem, in Israel, and it was very difficult uh, for widows to, to survive in that sort of culture and at that time, as it still is indeed in many parts of the world. So in the law of Moses, provision was made for this. If someone was in great poverty or hardship, they could appeal to one of their relatives. And this relative has a special title uh, in the reading that we had uh, in the second line. Uh, you see this word, guardian redeemer. Some of your Bibles might actually say kinsman redeemer. That's the expression I will be using and I will explain why uh, in a few minutes. So this man, Boaz, is a relative of uh, Naomi by, by uh, blood, blood relation to Naomi and a relation of Ruth by marriage. They appeal to him to act as their kinsman redeemer, to help them in their poverty. And that's what we saw last week uh, when Linda looked at chapter three uh, Ruth goes to Boaz at the threshing floor and says, can you be our kinsman redeemer? Naomi has a piece of land, but she's a widow, she's elderly, she can't work it. Buy that land, uh, marry me, uh, and through the marriage uh, you can raise up a son to my dead husband. That was the custom. And so uh, Boaz is very willing. He says, yes, I will do this. I will act as your kinsman redeemer. I will do what you ask. However, uh, the problem is that um, this uh, uh, role of kinsman redeemer happened according to uh, the nearness in relation. If we can have the reading back up, if that's, that's possible. So uh, Boaz says... I am a kinsman redeemer, but there's actually someone who is nearer than me, someone who is first in order to do this, and Boaz himself would be the second. And so they have a meeting the next day at the town gate, and uh, it's explained to this first kinsman redeemer, uh, Naomi has a field, do you want to buy it? Do you want to redeem the field? And at first he says, yes, I will redeem it. And then Ruth, uh, um, Boaz adds the fact, well, if you redeem the field, you also have to marry Ruth, the Boa Boa Moabitess. 
and he changes his mind. It, it's one thing to buy a field and look after a widow who may be deceased in five or ten years' time. Uh, he only has to provide for her for a limited number of years, uh, and then the field becomes him. But it's a completely different matter. If there is a younger woman involved, he has to marry that younger woman, look after her for uh, many more years, and then at the end of the day, the field wouldn't be his. It would belong to the son uh, who, that, who Ruth would give birth to. So he says, he says no. And at the bottom there, he says, you do it. You buy it yourself. So he does say, I can't redeem. And he gives Boaz, who is second in line, the opportunity uh, to do this, to, to buy the field from Naomi, to care for Naomi in her own age, old age, and to marry Ruth. And the first son of that union would belong to Ruth's deceased husband. So the family line will continue. And all of that happens. It's a very happy ending uh, to the book of Ruth. So the transaction takes place. This first kinsman redeemer, who doesn't want to carry this out, he takes off his sandal and he gives it to Boaz. Uh, and this is a symbolic way of showing that the right to redeem, uh, I'm not going to exercise it, you do it. Uh, and this custom probably relates back to the fact that uh, in ancient times, when you were buying a piece of land, uh, once the transaction had taken place, the man who was acquiring it would then put his foot on the land. And that's a way of saying, well, it's, it's mine. But that would mean that all the elders and witnesses and judges who were uh, uh, overseeing this transaction would have to go out from the town to wherever this field was. And I suppose in the passing of time, they said, let's not bother doing all that. Instead of going out there, putting your foot on the field, just pass on the sandal. Uh, and that's a symbolic way of showing transfer of uh, uh, ownership. So it's a happy ending. Ruth, a young widow, is married. Uh, she's a foreigner, but she finds uh, a home in Israel, in Bethlehem of Israel. She gives birth to a son to continue the family name of her dead husband. Uh, and Naomi, the elderly widow, has, now has someone to look after her. So the whole thing comes to a happy end. Uh, the marriage uh, takes place. Uh, the, the people of the town of Bethlehem, they pray, they give their blessings upon the marriage union. And right at the end, uh, a son is born, and his name is Obed. And so it's a good ending all round. And in our title of this series, uh, right from the beginning, the title has been A Story of Wisdom and Love. And in the previous sermons by James and Linda and over the last few weeks, they've been focusing on the wisdom and the love shown by the three main characters, uh, Ruth and then Naomi and, uh, um, sorry, uh, and Boaz. Uh, Boaz, an elderly man of Bethlehem, and Naomi, uh, an elderly widow of Bethlehem, and Ruth, the, the younger widow from the land of Moab. Moab. 
So these people, yes, they have been demonstrating love. They have been demonstrating wisdom. And what the previous sermons have focused on, it, it, it's good and wholesome for us to look at these examples of these people. The love that Ruth has for her mother-in-law and vice versa. The wisdom with which Boaz acts and so on. But as well as being a story of wisdom and love, the book of Ruth is very much, and I would say even more so, the story of something else. There is an idea which occurs again and again and again, a word that is repeated over and over again in the book of Ruth, and that is the word redemption. It is a story of wisdom and love, but I think more than that, it is a story of redemption. This is what Boaz does with respect to Naomi and Ruth. He redeems them. It's a word that can mean to deliver from a difficult situation, to save, to rescue. And throughout this short book of Ruth, it's only 80 or so verses, the words redeem, redemption, uh, redeemer occur some 21 times. And I think we can safely say that this is the most prominent idea in this short book of Ruth. Okay, so we have this very kind of domestic uh, situation involving three people, uh, Boaz, Naomi uh, and Ruth. And within that very sort of narrow and limited situation, a, a single family situation, an act of redemption takes place. But from that very small beginning, we're going to see that the book of Ruth presents us with a much bigger and much more significant redemption. So as we come to the end of the book of Ruth, we've had these 10 uh, genealogies. Uh, so this is in the town of Bethlehem. The people who lived in Bethlehem were from the tribe of Judah. And one of the sons of Judah was called Perez. And the way that the book of Ruth ends up, it, it gives 10 generations from Perez and the sons that follow. And the last three generations are those uh, of Boaz, the son that he and Ruth give birth to, he's called Obed, and then sometime after that, Obed gave birth to Jesse, and then Jesse gives birth through his wife, of course, to, to David. And that's the note that the book of Ruth ends on. It ends on the word David. And that is very significant because the next book of the Old Testament is going to describe how David actually becomes king of Israel. Before Ruth, there is the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, it's a time of suffering at the hands of their enemies. It's a time of anarchy. And the very last verse of the book of Judges explains why that is so. The last verse says, because there was no king in Israel. And then following on that book of Judges, with its very sort of bleak uh, view on what was going on in Israel, uh, we have two books later, the book of Samuel. 
uh, in which David is anointed king of Israel. He unifies the nation and he protects them, he delivers them, he redeems them from their enemies. And so the book of Ruth is introducing us to David. David is going to become king uh, a few years later, maybe 50, 60 years after the time of Ruth. And as king of Israel, he is going to deliver the Israelites from their enemies. At this time, it was mainly the Philistines, a very fierce and warlike people who were invading Israel from the west. And as we read in the book of Samuel, David goes forth and is victorious over these Philistine enemies. So from a very small beginning, just three people in a single family related through marriage or through blood, out of that situation, David is born. Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David. David becomes king of Israel and as king of Israel, he fights for uh, his own nation, the nation of Israel, and he delivers them. He redeems them from the hands of their enemies, from the Philistines and others. So in this book, this just short four-chapter book, and in this single family consisting of an elderly man, an elderly a widow and a young widow from a foreign nation with a, a, a very suspect rep reputation, out of that David is born. Out of that God brings a saviour, a redeemer, the king of Israel. And that's the way God often works. Out of very inauspicious beginnings, very small beginnings, God can bring great things out of that. Two widows and an old man, and out of that becomes the king, most famous king in all of Israel, who is going to deliver his people from their enemies. But it doesn't stop there, because this same genealogy, ten generations that ends the book of Ruth, we find somewhere else in the Bible. The very first chapter of the very first book of the New Testament contains these same ten generations. Matthew chapter 1, it traces the same ten from Perez going up to Boaz, his son and the son of Ruth, which is Obed, then Jesse, and then David, and then it goes on. Son of, son of, son of, son of, another 28 generations, and we come to none other than Jesus himself. Jesus, as he went around uh, Galilee and Judea, people called him the son of David. And that's what he was. He was descended from David. David was king of Israel. Jesus came into the world as king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus came to redeem his people, uh, came to redeem sinners from the power of sin over them, just as David before him had redeemed the Israelites from the hands of their enemies. So it's very true to say that if there had not been a Ruth and a Boaz, there would not have been a Jesus. If there had not been a Ruth and Boaz, there would not have been David several generations later, and there would not have been the greater son of David many generations later. 
So it's a story about redemption. From very small beginnings in a single family, two, gener two or three generations later, the whole nation of Israel is delivered from their enemies through David. And then many generations after that, the world is redeemed through the greater son of David, who came into the world to reign and rule over a new creation. So it's a book that eventually will lead us to Jesus. From Ruth and Boaz, very small beginnings, very inauspicious beginnings, we're going to end up with a great King David, great victories uh, at the hand of David, but then if we continue on, we come to the greater son of David and even greater victories. But there's more to the book of Ruth than that. It's not just a book that will eventually lead to redemption. It's a book, in fact, that is, illustrates redemption. And I believe this is one of the main purposes of the book of Ruth, is to teach us about redemption. What is it? and what needs to be done. So the word for redeemer that uh, we've been looking at in the book of Ruth, uh, it's this Hebrew word go, go el. And in the book of Ruth, it is Boaz who is this person. It's Boaz who carries out uh, this, this act of the redeemer. So in the three main characters here, which is Boaz, the Jew, Naomi, the Jew, and Ruth, uh, the Moabitess, what we have in these three is in fact a redeemer and two people who are redeemed through him. Now, the word uh, goel, it's a Hebrew word, goel, uh, and we don't actually have an equivalent word in, in English. So, way back in the 17th century, when the King James Bible was translated, they translated it as kinsman. Uh, and that is a component of the meaning. The goel is someone you are related to by, by blood. He is a kinsman. But then later, another English translation, the New American Standard Bible says, well, kinsman is part of the meaning, but it's actually missing what this person is supposed to do, which is to redeem. So the New American Standard Bible translated it as Redeemer. So the old translation, kinsman, uh, and then later this was changed to Redeemer. And then when the New International Version, which most of us use, the first edition of that, decided just to put these two together, kinsman, Redeemer. And I think that's probably the best we can come up with. Uh, more modern editions of the New International Version, for some reason, have strayed away from that, and they prefer Guardian uh, Redeemer, which personally uh, I don't think is so good, so I'm, I use the word uh, Kinsman uh, Redeemer. And it is that role, being a relative, a kinsman, and a redeemer, that Boaz plays in the Book of Ruth with respect to Naomi, uh, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. So when we think about this man, this, this Goel, this kinsman redeemer, th these are the main sort of qualifications, or the, the, these are the main sort of expectations of what this person would do. First of all, he has to be related to those he's going to help. He has to be a, a relative, a blood relative. 
And those that he reaches out to help are people who have fallen upon hard times. And, you know, Naomi and Ruth are both widows. They cannot help themselves. And so they appeal to uh, Boaz, uh, the relative of Naomi, to act on their behalf. He has to be someone who is willing to help. We saw that first kinsman redeemer wasn't willing. Well, he said, yeah, I will redeem at first. But once he heard of the cost to himself, uh, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. You do it. He had to be someone with the resources to help. There was a price to pay. That first kinsman redeemer didn't want to pay the price. But uh, Boaz himself was very willing to do that. He bought the field on behalf of Naomi and he, 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 he bought, in effect, he, uh, in fact, in Hebrew, the word actually does say uh, he bought Ruth as a wife. In our English translations, it softened that a bit and said acquired. But the fact is, uh, there was considerable financial outlay for Boaz to act as kinsman redeemer. And then he's someone who provides for, protects, and uh, in the case of a widow, her, someone who marries uh, the relative in order to raise up offspring for his deceased brother or cousin or whatever he happened to be, and that is Ruth's deceased husband. Boaz and Ruth marry, and the first son born of that union belongs to the deceased brother, and so the name of the dead continues. All of these things Boaz did. And then many generations later, we go through David to the, to the greater son of David, who would bring about a much greater redemption. And I believe what we see here with respect to Boaz in the book of Ruth, this is what Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, came to do, not materially, uh, with regard to material poverty uh, and widowhood and barrenness, but spiritually, Jesus came to be our kinsman redeemer. Okay, the first thing is he had to be a relative. Now, Jesus, in his divine nature, is simply not our relative. Jesus is the Son of God, or God the Son, as we sometimes describe him. Uh, he exists from all eternity in divine nature in heaven. He's not related to us. He's not part of our own flesh and blood. So in order to become our kinsman redeemer, Jesus, the Son of God, had to do what the letter to the Hebrews, in fact, says he did. Since the children, that's you and me, human beings, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In order to act as kinsman redeemer on our behalf, Jesus had to become one of us. He who was God had to become human. He who was eternal had to become mortal. And that's exactly what Jesus did. From his throne in heaven, he entered the world as one of us. 
And significantly, where did that take place? Where did Jesus come into this world? Where did God take on human nature? It was in a little town that we'll be singing about in a couple of months' time called Bethlehem. All the events in the book of Ruth are taking place in Bethlehem. And that is going to be the place where the kinsman redeemer, who is God, is going to enter the world in our own nature. When this meeting takes place in the gate, that's the gate of Bethlehem. When Ruth goes out to appeal to to Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer on the threshing floor. That's the threshing floor of Bethlehem. When he goes, she goes in chapter 2 to glean in the fields, that's the fields of Bethlehem. All these events are taking place within a stone's throw of where the kinsman redeemer was to come into the world. God become human, become one of us so that he can redeem us. And he redeems us as, rel- as relatives who have fallen upon hard times. Uh, in the story of Ruth, uh, we said these are two widows. Uh, they've got no way of looking after themselves in that society, that culture at that time. They're poor, they're impoverished. There's no offspring for them. Their family lines are going to die out. Uh, there is no future for them. And Boaz steps into that situation and changes everything. Everything is dealt with, they are taken care of, Ruth is married, and there is hope for the future. And so Jesus comes in this world, into this world to redeem us. And I think in some ways it's a redundant question to ask, well, what from? <laughs> you only have to look at the news or read the newspaper or whatever to realize what a mess the human race is in. Uh, Not just literal poverty, but spiritual poverty. Uh, The earth is filled with violence and bloodshed, with immorality, uh, as we've seen in in the news in this last week. So Jesus has come to redeem us from spiritual poverty, which the Bible calls sin, which ultimately will lead to, to death. And he's willing to do it. That first redeemer in Ruth chapter 4 says, no, this is too much for me. I I don't want to do this. But Jesus is willing to do it. It's not as if God the Father in heaven has to twist his arm and say, you go into the world and do what needs to be done for his people. It's nothing like that at all. The writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus did this for the joy of that was set before him. Hebrews chapter 12. He did it, he redeemed us for the joy that was set before him. And he had the resources to do it. He was willing to pay. Uh, In the book of Ruth, uh, it was Boaz who had to uh, come up with the money, with the silver and gold to pay uh, for the land, to pay the bride price so that he could marry Ruth. Jesus also paid a price. We also have been bought. In our redemption, Jesus buys us. We have been bought with a price. And what was the price? 
Peter says here, not with perishable things such as silver and gold were you redeemed from this empty way of life, but blood, death, suffering with the precious blood of Jesus. Boaz simply had to come up with enough silver and gold, but Jesus had to give his life in death on the cross. Boaz provided for, protects and marries his relative. Jesus came into this world to take a bride. That's how the church is described in the New Testament. It's described as the bride of Christ. So as Boaz redeems Ruth by marrying her, so Jesus comes into the world. He marries his bride who has redeemed, which is his church. And then lastly, part of what Boaz did was to continue the name of the dead. We don't want this family line to die out. So it says he raises up the name of the dead. That's what Boaz does in the book of Ruth. And the word that's used there is this Hebrew word, kum, which is actually the word for resurrection. You know, in the New Testament, when Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead, Jesus says, kumi, talitha kumi, little girl, rise up from the dead. It's the same word that we find in the book of Ruth. Boaz raises up the name of the dead, but the greater kinsman redeemer raises up the dead themselves. He has the power to do that, not just to continue in name only, but to continue in actual physical and spiritual existence to all eternity. It's such a greater redemption that Jesus came to do. And so Jesus is a kinsman redeemer, and Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. But I think it's very significant that Boaz redeems two people, not just one, there's two. There's an older Israelite lady, there's a younger Moabite lady. Uh, one has been an Israelite you know, for many, many years, all her life. The other comes in later, new to the faith of Israel. And I think what is pictured here is the fact that Jesus came into the world to redeem globally the world not just the Jews of the Old Testament, uh, who had been uh, God's people for so much longer, but later Gentiles, you and me, come into the faith. Paul here could be describing what is going on in the book of Ruth. This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament. He says, remember that you who are Gentiles by birth... He's writing to those who are Gentiles by birth. Who is that here? Anybody here fits that description? Anybody? Yeah, well, good. Well, there's about five or six of you. So that means the rest of you must be descended from Abraham. Who here, who, who is a Gentile by birth? Right, we've got a few more, okay. It's probably almost all of us. There might be one or two who are not Gentiles by birth. If you're not descended from, uh, 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 if, you, if, if you're not a Gentile by birth and not descended from Abraham, then you, you must be an angel. Uh, <laughs> in which case, yeah, please do speak to me at the door afterwards because I don't think I've ever met one. Gentiles by birth, that's all of us. By nature, we are excluded from citizenship 
in Israel. We are foreigners of the covenants of promise. We are without hope and without God in the world. That's how Ruth was until she said those words to Naomi, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. But now in Christ Jesus, the kinsman redeemer, you who were once far away have been brought near through the price that he paid for our redemption, through the blood of Christ. And so we come to this wonderful scene that uh, Linda talked about last time. It's such a wonderful picture of redemption. In Ruth chapter 2, Boaz himself actually prays over uh, Ruth uh, uh, and, says, and, and says, well, you know, may God bless you who's, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Uh, and that's a common figure of speech in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, about God extending his wing over those in need, people who come to take shelter under the shadow of his wing. What Boaz doesn't realize when he says that is that God is actually going to do that through him. In the next chapter, Ruth comes to him on the threshing floor and Boaz spreads his garment over her. And the interesting thing is, in, in the language that the book of Ruth is written in Hebrew, the word for wing and the word for the edge, the bottom, the, the skirts of the garment, is exactly the same word. Uh, they spoke about the wings of the garment, uh, the wings of a bird, the wings of the garment, the kanaf, the kanaf. And so Boaz spreads his kanaf over Ruth. And that symbolic act is so significant. It means, I, I accept your appeal as the kinsman redeemer. I accept that I will care for you. Uh, and this is what Jesus promises to us. He says to us, come and be my bride, my church. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will protect you. So just as God actually did all this through Boaz, so God the Father does all this through his son, God the Son, who came down to be one of us, our kinsman redeemer. And more than that, the word cover in the Old Testament also has the sense of forgiveness. In the Bible, sin needs to be covered. Psalm 32, the first verse, blessed is the person whose sins are covered. So when we come to Jesus, it's not just we become his bride, we become his people, we put ourselves under his care, his provision, his protection, but when we come to Jesus and he spreads his skirts or he spreads his wing over us, our sins are covered. And that is Jesus as our kinsman redeemer. Boaz redeemed an elderly Israelite widow and a young Moabitess. And his greater, greater, greater grandson, many years later, came into the world to give us such a great, great, so much greater redemption, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. So I want to read with two of the prayers of bless. I want to uh, end by reading two of the prayers of blessings that we find uh, in the book of Ruth. 
uh, one from Ruth chapter 2 and uh, one from Ruth chapter 4. And we'll close with these words. These are the words, uh, firstly, of uh, Boaz to Ruth, and then from the people of Bethlehem to, to, to both Boaz uh, and Ruth. May you be richly blessed by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Praise be to the Lord, who has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he be to each one of you a restorer of life. Amen.